So today I'm preaching uh, a Christmas message, but but what I really want to do is just unpack some of the characters in this story, if you will. And I want to talk about the theme of agreement, and that's actually the name of, of my message today is agreement. So if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 1, and that's pretty much it. Um, Christmas. I love Christmas. I, I love that different things bring me joy. And, and it's honestly different things every year. Uh, Bath and Body Works has a, a new fragrance called Balsam. It's, it's glorious. It's so wonderful. It's, it, our front room smells like a Christmas tree. And our front room is probably our, yeast, our least, you know, like entertained room. Like we, we just don't, unless you come through the front door and then into the kitchen, living room area, you know, the front room doesn't get used. But I'll just go in there and linger because it smells like Christmas. Um, the song, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. I've heard it. I've heard it years past. This year it captured my heart and I love it. And I laugh. I laugh every time. I laugh when uh, when mom gets busted out that she's been lying to her daughter because hippopotamuses are vegetarians. And so, you know, I, I laugh when rhinoceroses and hippopotamuses and I, I just... Lots of things. I, I love the Christmas lights. I love the fact that most people are smiling and most people are quick to smile, even if they're not. If, if you can see stress on them, but you give them a good, full smile, they're going to smile back. I mean, I love that this season, people are more open to the message of hope and love in Jesus Christ than they are any other season. So I love Christmas. But Christmas is also very hard. It's very challenging. There's things that we get, we get popped with that just goes against all those things of joy that that we love and that we grab a hold of. I mean, there's times in the Christmas season I felt shame. I'm not doing enough for my kids. I'm not buying them enough presents. People are going to judge me. They're going to think I'm a bad dad, a bad provider, a bad mom, a bad whatever. Oh, I'm not, you know, I haven't been able to connect with this person and this person and spend time with these family members or whatever it would be. There's times, you know, that, that theme of not being enough, you know, it, it permeates. Oh, you know, I don't have enough. I don't make enough. I don't whatever. And so during that season, there's things we have to fight that, that friends, I really want us to be victorious in those fights because those things that we feel, man, they're heavy. When we look at this Christmas story, I want us to see that this first Christmas is no different than the fact that it's not devoid of hardships. It's a story of life and hope, but it's not without really hard things. What we see, we see a theme of doubt and fear, fear of betrayal and fear that someone was cheated on. We see fear of judgment fear of tearing down of reputation. We see a loss of capacities 
I mean, if during the Christmas season, uh, I mean, Eric has really walked through, Eric, it's so good to see you. He's really walked through a challenging thing where, where he couldn't hear. And we're going to see that, a loss of, of function, a loss of the ability to speak. And then a madman, someone ruling that part of the world, honestly intent on, on killing children. I mean, some heavy stuff. So I want us to read. We're going to read from Luke chapter 1. I want to kind of read passages and kind of backtrack. And I want us to grab a hold of some really key truths. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, that's the madman I was talking about. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. They were both walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, and it's interesting because both Zechariah and Elizabeth came from that lineage of Aaron, that, that priesthood. Uh, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. I'm going to go ahead and, and mark something here because we're going to come back to that in a second. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. And he and fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. He said, fear not. And we talked about fear not last week. We talked about that same passage and, and that word fear, fear not. It's saying, don't run away. Don't run away. So I want to pause real quick. In the heart of this message, I want to encourage us with this. Don't run away from the things that God has called us to. Don't run away from the plans of the Lord. Don't run away when things get hard. Church, don't run away when the person next to you is being a total butt. Or the person right here... It's being a butt. Don't run away when things get hard. Don't run away when the stance you're taking is the, unpop the unpopular stance because you're standing for righteousness and for Christ. So Zechariah was troubled and he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been hurt. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. So I want to stop for a second. So it's very interesting. I want to shed light on this story. First of all, the choosing of, of Zechariah at this moment to come into this holy place and in, in this act as priest 
and incense. Did you know that there were about 1,800, I was was reading a commentary from from Moody Bible Institute, about 1,800 candidates that they drew lots to see who would go into this place. And if you were selected, you got to do it once in your lifetime. Once. But there were many priests who never had the opportunity to do what Zechariah at this moment gets to do. And he knows as he is entering into this holy place, this is his last Shot. He's doing this once and he will never be in that drawing again. He is in the presence of God. For the first time and the last time in this setting, in this priestly role of, of just being responsible for the, the incense. In the presence of the Lord and in this place, an angel appears to him and said, your prayer has been heard. Fear not. Fear not. Your prayer's been heard. And, and here's what the angel's about to say. You're going to have a son and, and the purpose of your son is going to be to bring people to repentance to the Messiah who's being born as well. And, and your son is going to be vital in bringing people to Jesus. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It is safe to assume that, that in this place, most priests do not have this experience. So I want to keep reading. He says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, at your son's birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angle, to the angel who was standing at an angle. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall we know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is really old too. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will now be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. They probably thought he died. This was taking a long time. And they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. This is a remarkable Instance. This is a once in a lifetime experience for him. He is not only in the presence of the Lord in the holy place, he now has a visit from an angel, from Gabriel, with good news. With good news. And he says, Your prayers have been answered. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you don't have kids, you're going to have a son. If there's ever been a time to believe, a word from the Lord. Man, that was it. I want to point something out here. 
There's a purpose in this story, in this part of the Christmas story that's greater than Zechariah and Elizabeth having a son. But that is wonderful. That is wonderful. They've wanted a child. They've been judged because it was shameful to not have children, to not be able to have children at that time. And now this angel saying, you're going to have a son. But you know what? This story isn't about them. It's not about the joys of this, this gift that they've been given. It's about what that son is going to accomplish. And I want to encourage us during this season, we have got to look beyond ourselves and look beyond even the joys and the gifts given to us and say, Lord, what do you want to do with them? How do you want to use them? How can I use this wonderful thing you've given me? How can you use my wonderful family? How can you use my my tight bonds of friendship? Lord, how can you use this time together so that you are glorified, so that other people can have hope and love and be reunited to the Father? I want to point out that it's, very clear that he and his wife were godly. They were righteous. They were walking in righteousness. They were godly people. And then he, he responded to the angel of the Lord with a question. In a minute, we're going to read the story, the introduction of, of Mary. And the same thing happens. She, she has an encounter with an angel who also says, don't run away. Fear not. But she also responds with a question. And, and the Lord doesn't, doesn't cause her to be mute. I, I'm not positive of, of all the reasons why, but, but let me just pose a couple of things. I really do believe that there's a responsibility that when we've been walking with the Lord, there's a responsibility to live our lives of faith and to make our proclamation be that of faith. It says they were righteous. They were old and they were righteous and their their actions were godly. So I, I want to address people that have been walking with the Lord for a long time. And I'm not just talking about people with like gray hair or no hair or whatever. I'm, I'll be 49 here pretty soon. And, and I got saved when I was, I think, four years old. My mom says three years old. So I've been walking with the Lord a long time. There's a responsibility to let my life be a proclamation of Jesus Christ. And when I don't, the Lord sees that as a lack of faith and a lack of belief. Mary, who's a teenager, there's not quite that same burden, if you will, upon her. So let's look at verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I think this is stinking awesome. I I just have to pause. She's, She's not necessarily troubled that there's an angel right there. She's troubled by the greeting what do you mean I'm favored? She's like, she's bad to the bone. I mean, she's, that, that's pretty fearless. She was greatly troubled at the sand and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, "Uh, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was once called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Luke one thirty-seven. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said... Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You guys, agreement matters. Agreement matters. Agreeing with God's plan for your life. Agreeing with with who God says he is and who he says you are. Agreement matters. When Jesus called Simon and said, from now on, you are Peter, you are a rock. And upon this rock, my kingdom will be built. Agreement was needed. Peter had to say, yes, Lord. Despite, I don't even know what that means. I don't know how you're going to do it because I'm a flawed man. But Peter had to say, yes, Lord. He had to agree. Mary Her response was one of agreement. Let it be so. I am your servant. The words you have said. Yes. You think she understood? You think she had it all figured out at that moment? In in the short span of this conversation, do you think think she still understood how she was going to get pregnant when she was a virgin? Do you still think she understood how she was going to get pregnant by God and this was going to be the Son of God? She didn't understand. Friends, too many times we wait until we have a a strong understanding of something instead of walking in faith and saying, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I know you and you're true and you're loyal and you're faithful and you're good. And so, Lord, I want to step in faith and I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to align myself with you, but I don't have it all figured out. So, Lord, will you just... Will you teach me? And what's awesome is the Holy Spirit's described as a teacher and a guide. He will guide you into all truth, is what Jesus said. He's not going to leave us in this place of, of doubt and ignorance, but he does require faith. Agreement. Look at Zechariah. He didn't agree at the moment because he, he missed the biggest part of that word from the angel. He missed the biggest part of it. He made it all about him initially. How is this going to happen? And the angel had some phenomenal things to say about who John was going to be. Incredible things. And he missed that. So there wasn't initial agreement. But over the course of nine months of not being able to say a word, he came into alignment. He came into agreement with God and with his plan. I'm not going to read it, but there's even a point when they're like, what are you, what are you going to name him? And he's like, John, it's going to be John. At this point, he's like, Lord, whatever you say, that is what I'm going to do. 
agreement. What about you and I? What about the things the Lord asks us to do that we don't understand? What about the things the Lord asks us to do that we know are going to be hard? What about the things that the Lord asks us to do that we know we're, at, we're immediately going to be judged for? We're going to be judged by a world who just doesn't get it, who doesn't understand why we would do such a thing for an imaginary God or however they perceive God to be. This Christmas story has its difficulties. There's not a single reference to hippopotamuses or Christmas lights or a Grinch or or pie or anything. Now, there is good news that's been mentioned about Jesus, but I'm telling you, we're seeing difficulties. Guys, are we willing to walk out difficulties for the sake of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1. I had you turn there earlier, so in your phones or in your apps. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary, when the mother of Jesus Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Betrothal is like an engagement, but it's much more than an engagement. A a betrothal, once you are betrothed to somebody, for that to be called off, it actually is a type of a, it's a divorce. You can't just call it off and be like, ah, I'm changing my mind, I'm no longer betrothed. There there had to be a, a divorce. So Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So before they were married, before they were intimate, before they had come together, She was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What does that that tell us? That tells us, so let's just read between the lines. That tells us Mary came to him and said, the most amazing thing happened and bear with me as I tell it because I I don't even have it all figured out yet but an angel appeared to me Gabriel appeared to me this is what he said and he said that I am going to give birth to the son of God and so I'm pregnant I'm pregnant I'm pregnant with God's baby when we read what we just read does does it say I mean do we gather that he believed her or that he didn't believe her. Well, it says he's going to divorce her. It says he's, he's a just man, a good man, and not wanting to put her to public shame, he was going to wait and then divorce her. What does that tell us? Does he believe that she's really pregnant by God? No. He believes this woman who I've given my heart to and I've imagined myself marrying and spending the rest of my life with and having kids with has cheated on me and has now given me the most ridiculous story ever. That's what it says, guys. We have to read between the lines. That's what it's saying. He doesn't believe her, but he's a good man, so he doesn't want harm to come to her, and he doesn't want to tarnish her name, her reputation, so he's just going to divorce her quietly. If we can stop there. Man, can you just, will you allow your your heart to feel that for a second?
Will you allow your heart to just feel what that would feel like, the betrayal? The hurt, the pain? But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. See, I tell you what I love. And even in those words, you shall call his name Jesus, is saying, you're going to be a father to the Son of God. There's fathering that is needed from you. You will call his name Jesus. You will father him. You shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not. He was not intimate with her. There was no marital loving until she had given birth to a son. And he, and he called his name Jesus. And he called his name Jesus. And he said yes to the plan of God to father the Son of God. And he came into agreement with God. See, we haven't even gotten... You know, I, I said it's a Christmas story introducing some characters. But we haven't even gotten to the place where Jesus is born yet. We haven't gotten to the place of, of, of glorious singing and birth and arrival and fulfillment of, of Scripture and prophecy. So how does this apply to you and I? See, everything we preach from this pulpit, every, everything that is preached from this pulpit, whether it's Andy or Kara or whoever it would be, it, it's about Jesus. So how does this apply to our lives? Not just talking about about Zechariah, who, by the way, he got his voice back, you know, you know, ended well, had, had a son, good, happy ending there, or about Mary, or about Joseph, but how does this apply to you and I? Let me just ask you, how, how quick do we come into agreement with God in the midst of difficulty? In, in the midst of the hard stuff, how quick are we to look past the circumstance and say, Lord, I will cling to you. I will cling to your promise. I will wake up with you on my lips saying, Lord, I trust you. I am yours and I will follow you. How quick are we to take our eyes off of ourselves and off of circumstance, off of difficulty, off of the hardships and on to Jesus? Gosh, guys, I mean, the hardships, they're there. I mean, you know, I've heard it said before. Kara came back from a conference with Marie and Joy. And she said, this one speaker said, either you're in the middle of, of a hard place, you just ended being in a hard place, or a hard place is coming up. You're in one of those three, that's it. That's life. 
Do we cling to Jesus and say, I am not going to run. I am not going to fear. I am going to grab a hold of you. I'm not going to allow that lying devil to to break up my family. I'm not going to allow that lying devil to crush my spirit. I'm not going to allow the circumstance of life and the heaviness of life to knock me to the ground and not get back up. I love, I, I relate to the difficulties seen in this story before we see the triumph of Christmas. Let's be fighters. Let's be worshipers. Let's be those who will agree with Jesus and what he says about you, what he says about me. So what does he say? He says that we're more than a conqueror in him. He says we're forgiven. He says we're loved. He says we're we're new creations. Next week, we'll talk about a Christmas story again. And we'll talk about triumph and victory and life and promise. But for today, what I really hope that this sermon provokes is just real good conversation with God. Just real honest conversation with the Lord. Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, I'm doubting. Lord, I'm whatever. Would you speak into my situation and tell me what you think? Lord, would you tell me what, what you have to think about what I'm going through right now? And would you, would you tell me what the outcome is? Would you tell me how to get through it? Would you tell me what the first step is? Lord, would you remind me how good you are? And could we also do this, church? Could we look around and see if the people in our life, the people that we cross paths with, if there might be a heaviness upon them or a sorrow upon them where they need a touch of life. They need an angelic word of hope that we can be used to deliver, even though we're no angels. And will we look past ourselves to to someone that might need to know the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I think it's harder than we think to believe what God says about us. Because we just, I'm like, I'm just regular old Simon. I'm just, I'm just Simon. I mean, you've called me Peter. You've called me this rock. But I, I, when I look in the mirror, I just see Simon. Church, I want you to know that when I look out there, I, I, I see a church full of people that are mighty, that are victorious, that are redeemed, that are strong even when they're weak, and that have amazing gifts to offer. So let's be generous this season.